0: filthy demon sex hello you are listening to grape culture the podcast where we talk about wine pop culture and feminism i'm kim i'm sam and we hope you enjoy the show week's episode we're going to be talking about the book a witch's guide to fake dating a demon by sarah hawley which is as much of a mouthful as i think the book is a head full of things <laughs> um, but before we start talking about that we have some wine kim what we
1: got we have got the patrick Chaudot fleury this is a cru de Bourgogne. i'm mm. um, so great at french is a French Beaujolais off of Tesco. (laughs) Very French. (laughs) Le Tesco. Le Tesco. It is described as an elegant flurry with aromas of fresh berry and cherry fruits on the nose, a bright and expressive palate with flavours of juicy ripe red fruit and hints of spice, best served slightly chilled with light meat and fish dishes. Well, I'm here to tell you, Patrick Shudder, that we are not doing that. (laughs) So the reason that we chose this was (laughs) that Clues the name, Fleury. It's a very floral-looking label. It's a very floral kind of wine. The book has themes of nature and also the classic men in romance film. Romance books smell like spice for reasons. Oh my god! Yeah, spice and salt always. Yeah, or wood smoke. Or wood smoke. Yeah. Always wood smoke and spice. Wood, and I cherries. think that. that <laughs> yeah. And I think that that really ties in with the yeah. tasting notes for this wine. Also, we've never had a Beaujolais. We have not. On the pod. So I'm quite excited because we have some friends who fucking love a Beaujolais. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh. Smells like wine. Doesn't taste very red.
0: I'm not getting a hell of a lot of anything, to be honest. A bit of red currant, maybe. Something a bit tart.
1: I think this is weirdly the kind of red that you could switch back to white after and it'd be completely fine. Yeah, with no ill
0: effects. It's unlike anything
1: we've had for a while. Yeah, we don't drink a lot of light red wines it's subtle which is something the book is not (laughs) so true yes (laughs) so once again we are talking about a witch's guide to fake dating a demon by sarah hawley Sam, do you want to give us a brief overview of the plot? I will endeavour to do so.
0: So the book is about a young witch called Marielle Spark, who lives in this magical town in Washington State. She is a witch from a prominent witching family, and there's this big prophecy around how powerful she's going to be and how much impact she's going to have. But actually, when it comes to practising magic, she's not that great Or she is defined as not being that great in the eyes of what is traditional and celebrated magic. But she's actually really good at growing plants and nature magic and things like that. Except people don't really give a shit about that, apparently, in this Washington town. Um, And one day she tries to summon some flour to do some baking. And accidentally summons a demon called Osroth the Ruthless. (laughs) And he can't leave until they've made a bargain... And the bargain is her soul in exchange for whatever she wants. Because that's the laws of the demon world, apparently. You have to have a bargain or you just sort of follow people around forever. And to explain this demon's presence, she says that he's her boyfriend to people, particularly her mother, who's a dick. And then from then on, it's just a series of kind of events in this magical world that lead to her and this demon getting closer and oh surprise the demon has a human soul which no other demon has because a deal went wrong so he can feel things like raging boners um, and titties and and titties raging boners love and titties (laughs) and then it's about them getting closer and then they're trying to at the same time battle well she is trying to battle some development on the land in the town which is magical and has lots of endangered
1: creatures and it's threatening the magic of the land yeah exactly. and only she realises because she's the nature witch
0: yeah and she's the only person in tune with the land and mm-hmm. um, you know chaos ensues predictable romance ensues filthy, filthy demon, demon sex <laughs> In against trees, on kitchen counters, all that kind of thing. And uh, then in the end, it's all resolved and everyone lives happily ever after. Um, I won't go into For the a details. normal
1: human lifespan.
0: Yeah, for a normal span of human years. And yes, Oz and Marielle end up together. There's other side characters in this. There are her friends, Caladia, who is Sports Witch, and Femi, who is a Pixie, who loves Pixtagram, which is basically. <laughs> (laughs) Instagram for pixies. Pixie
1: influencer. Pixie
0: influencer. There's also Mariel's family, the Spark family who are quite often the worst but there are some good eggs in there. And then there's there's Astaroth. um, Yeah, Astaroth, Oz's boss. Oz's boss slash mentor who's the bad demon of the bunch,
1: basically. Mm.
0: Yeah, so anything I missed?
1: Demons in this world are, for reasons, really sexy men but they just happen to have Horns that also double as erogenous zones.
0: They are also they are also female demons in the second book, but obviously we're only talking about the first one. Yeah. There's only talk of the male, sexy demons with their erogenous horns, erogenous horns. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, erogenous, erogenous horns. horns. <laughs> So that's the book. This is a debut novel, I believe, from Sarah Hawley. Certainly by reading her author bio, I don't think she's written anything else. She's primarily an archaeologist. So this was an interesting foray into the world of romance.
1: Kim, what did you think of it? I guess I shouldn't have been surprised (laughs) that a book with the most on-the-nose title, which is Guide to Fake Dating a Demon, that caused the bookseller that sold it to me to be like that's a great book title oh my god and laugh and then tell me about an upcoming book called big gay werewolf amazing i'm here for that yeah and i was like sold sign me up (laughs) that it's very heavy-handed on the nose now look i enjoyed reading this book this book was because perfectly fine and i'm not someone who discredits romance as not being high art all this sort of stuff but this was fun and dumb it was slightly laborious and it had a lot of stuff that it wanted to achieve. And in some of those ways it did it in a very sort of clunky, lumbering way. I wasn't expecting highbrow romance from a witch's guide to fate dating a demon. And Shocker. that's okay. And it was very enjoyable and it did it literally does what it says on the tin. It's very heavy handed. And it's not just heavy handed in the sense that like she's a witch. By the way, did you know that she's a witch? Mm this book tries to deal with a lot of issues and i think that there is a very obvious climate change agenda Mm -hmm. going on there that again is not subtle there's very obvious messages about consent and trauma and family and Mm -hmm. boundaries and toxic masculinity is a phrase that actually gets used in the book and the power of friendship the power of friendship <laughs> yeah. and and believing in yourself and there's all these different things that it is addressing mm. and it does none of them subtly but it also does nothing by halves like everything is explored
0: oh we mean everything well not quite everything a lot
1: yeah. everything that I'm comfortable with <laughs>
0: everything on kim's yes list
1: yeah so yeah enjoyable fun i don't think it's a stupid book i actually think it's a very like it's a book obviously coming from someone who has a lot of very important thoughts Mm. and and Mm. clearly engages with the world that she's living in but it is enjoyable but unsubtle which i think is probably what you're after if you're picking up a witch's guide to fake dating a demon yeah Um, sam what about you
0: yeah, agreed. It is not a very subtle book, but I don't think you would expect it to be. If you are in the market for fun fantasy world, but also people getting railed by beings from another plane consensually. Um, consensually then yeah this is probably for you I, I think we will talk about the sex scenes in a bit I do have feelings on them but it treats things that should not be revelatory as revelatory I think is one of the issues I have with it mm. like the whole thing with, with Marielle is that she's there's this prophecy around her birth and she's meant to be very powerful and she but she doesn't display any of this magic and her family sort of despair and say she's embarrassing them and whatever. And then Oz is like, do you think maybe you're getting in your own head and getting in your own way and putting too much pressure on yourself? And then she's like, how dare you? And then storms off and then suddenly gasp. It turns out that it was that she had to be doing it for the right reasons and, not, and it was just all very laboured at points, I think. But it was fun. It was silly. I did like a lot of the characters. I don't think the characters were anything i hadn't seen before
1: no but i but i I've, liked them i think that you know we've talked about it before when we've talked about romance books is that yeah. there is a lot of reliance on tropes and yeah. that is one of the things that mm-hmm. makes it comforting
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's one of the things that people like from it the characters in it do fulfill certain tropes but again this book literally mentions the trope it's like oh false proximity like yeah it literally says those words and I think that's that's only cute when it's there's only one bed like it wasn't quite clever enough to do nudge
0: nudge wink wink
1: yeah, yeah. but I agree I did like I did like a lot of the characters I didn't like all of the characters <laughs> there's more to it to discuss we, th- we thought that it would be a good amalgamation of Two kinds of stories that grape culture is interested in, which is sexy time and witches.
0: So you said there were a lot of characters you liked. I said I liked a lot of the characters, but you also said there were some that you didn't. Who were your heroes from a character perspective? And who did you want to punt three states over, <laughs> um, as happens to the demons in this book? So
1: character-wise... <sighs> I liked all the characters as characters in the sense that I wouldn't necessarily want to be friends with them, Mm. but I thought that they were well-written and and enjoyable in the sense that I could picture them all and and I think that they really fleshed out everything. There were obvious characters that I didn't like. The fucking mother. Yeah, she was the worst. And in fact, Caladia's mother as well. Diantha and Cynthia. Oh God, I want to fucking kill you. Yeah, they were fucking awful, but they're supposed to be awful they're you know they are they are karens they are magical karens they are a coven of karens up with a k like the Kardashians. yes oh my god keeping up with the coven so they were they were awful and and they're supposed to be awful Mm. and i will say that i feel like astaroth in this who's like the baddie villain the the baddie demon who's british because of course yeah for reasons I don't think he got enough to be, like, likeable or not likeable. I mean, I didn't like him on principle, but he was just there.
0: Yeah.
1: But there Um, were some characters that I didn't like. No, there was one character that I didn't like because she just annoyed me, which was Themi. Yeah. Maybe it's because I am an old curmudgeon now. But I just found the idea of a pixie, (laughs) literal manic pixie dream girl. But she changes her hair color every two days, and she's an influencer, and she yeah. loves strawberry milkshakes and sugar, and and and. Oh, but actually, she's really strong, and I just found her fucking insufferable. Yeah. And I think that would have been fine if A. I didn't have the suspicion that there's going to be a book about her. In which case, I'll probably end up loving her. But B. That she's in a couple of really integral scenes in this book. And her whole premise is that she is, she is a social media influencer that happens to be a pixie, um, but also that she is studying, oh, I don't know, sociology. Like an- yeah, or anthropology. Anthropology or, yeah. or something. And so she's kind of, she's doing this thing where she observes a bunch of people, and makes a bunch of notes, and she's just actually really fucking mean. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, is that I can't help thinking of her as kind of a bitch, like kind of a mean girl. And it didn't make sense to me, that she was then so close with Marielle and caladia and so i think that that's what pissed me off is that there's a lot to put on one character and maybe this is my own issues but i felt like she was really unlikable because she was kind of self-centered and uh, i didn't i didn't think she deserved the apology and i thought that she was annoying and i'm sure that maybe that's something that she has to come to learn she's, she's supposed to be younger than Marielle and caladia maybe there's some kind of Pixie culture that I'm not aware of that's going <laughs> to be revealed, Maybe. but I just found her annoying. And also, I'm sorry, but I genuinely found the name Femi annoying. And she had good bits. Don't get me wrong; like she had she had good bits, and and I kind of enjoyed some of her frankness. I think if you're trying to write a romance series in which the female friendships are as important as the romances that develop from them, yeah. those those friendships need to be as if not more believable than. Than the romances, and we're talking about all of this in a situation where there are demons and pixies and nayas and, <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. obviously, I know that like believability isn't always the key yeah, thing but here, but the well, thing it's is, like suspension of disbelief in the face yeah. of
0: a magical world versus this friendship seems weird. Yeah,
1: it's, it just it just seems a bit like yeah. the dynamic seems a bit off. And so those characters I didn't like. Were there any other characters that you didn't like? Yeah, I mean,
0: I think they made a big deal about Astaroth being this big, bad demon, and then there was nothing particularly big or bad about him. Mm. So it's just like, oh, this is what the demon realm has to offer. It's just some kind of suit-wearing demon with a British accent. He's
1: got a suit and a crystal skull, so...
0: Yeah, a cane with a crystal skull on it. Great. So he just felt a bit like, eh, when they defeated him. It's not like he'd been the worst... Well, you know, he was the, the main antagonist, I guess, but... But it really? Be was he...? Because... Uh, Cynthia was worse, yeah.
1: Well, and I mean, yeah, that was worse, yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that was a bit disappointing. It didn't ever feel like there was any real threat to any of them. But I didn't really, didn't really buy into Astaroth. Femi was annoying. Oh, what was the old guy? AlzaPraz. <laughs> AlzaPraz? Did you know I like AlzaPraz? No, I, I did like AlzaPraz, but I also thought it was, it didn't make any sense to me that he would be so dismissive of Marielle and then h magic the entire way through is with someone so old and wise and then for her to be like actually you've been
1: a bit of a dick and then for him to be like
0: oh no yeah you're right like that seemed a bit.
1: i thought he was on her side
0: yeah that was what i thought so i was
1: really surprised feel like shit yeah that he also had been contributing to that feeling
0: Yeah. yeah what about characters that you liked I did I did like Marielle. She wasn't perfect, mm-hmm. very, but she, she reminded me slightly of the character in the book that we read. <laughs> the Flatshare. Um, tiffy. Tiffy. A bit like her. She also reminds me of a friend of mine in that short nature witch, um, <laughs> who's a bit chaotic. Love you if you're, if you're listening, you know who you are. But yeah, so I liked her for, for that reason. I thought Oz was fine. He was just sort of fine. Yeah. I didn't dislike him. He was a bit wet for a demon. Yeah,
1: yeah. I... And I understand he had a human soul, but mm. yeah. I think I agree with you in the sense that the thing about Oz was that he didn't have interests. No. He had nothing else to bring. Like, they kept talking about, oh, now they can live happily ever after and what's he going to do and he's not going to be a bargainer anymore. He's got investments,
0: don't worry.
1: <laughs> yeah, and condoms. But it and was condoms. like, apparently all that he is going to do is...
0: Just follow her around. Follow her 70 around. 70 years. And, and then live, live underground. When he was like, oh, don't worry, I can live underground when you get... <laughs>
1: like, what? What? And I think... Get some self-respect, man. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's like, when you... <laughs> not not to demon shame, but when you read human romances, like Yeah the two halves are two halves. Like they they are two people who have individual lives and, and yeah interests and... Marielle outshone him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In in many, many ways. I also liked Marielle. Yeah. I thought that she was just fun. Like, was... I want to be friends with Marielle, chicken exploding yeah. aside.
0: And Caladia seemed like a good person to have in her team as well.
1: I agree. Like, Caladia had issues, but I was like, well, Caladia's clearly going to work through those issues, so... Yeah. She's got her own book. Yeah. And also... She's trying. She's doing her thing. She's yeah. had, some, you know, she's in her healing hot girl era and Godspeed to her.
0: Yeah. Um, Everyone
1: needs, you know, a friend who will come and
0: punch a man who's done you wrong. Yeah. 30 miles away. Yeah. I, yeah,
1: I, I back Calidia. Don't go on the wrong side of Calidia. No. But I back her. Yeah. I enjoyed her a lot. And that's the thing. Like, I enjoyed her and Marielle mm. so much. Mm. That I was like, well, okay, so this is this is the story. Yeah. And it got me thinking about other, like, witchy pairings. And, you know, Charmed keeps coming up in, in my brain. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking about how in all of these things there are dynamics where there are two people who are, like, bonded. And obviously in Once and Future Witches... They had their own complicated familial relationship. Yeah. But they all sort of come together and they they love.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Femi was jarring, but the other two were great. Another character though who I would have liked to have seen more from was Ranny, who is the the naiad who worked at the nursery with Marielle and the werewolf boss, who was called Ben, I think. I think so, and yeah. It was ben.
1: Just the most generic just, boy name. Yeah,
0: they're just like, Oh I'll put in a man. Ben. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I Tom. really liked Werewolf Boss. <laughs> I am. Uh, I was like where's Werewolf Boss's book because I'll read that one yeah
0: I'd read Werewolf Boss's book I'd read a romance with Nyad and Werewolf Boss yeah surly
1: grumpy yeah but no one's you know gonna murder anyone like yeah but he's a werewolf yeah and she's a sea water nymph
0: yeah uh, who clearly like really like
1: expressive and free and he's much more taciturn like come on
0: I'd read that I'd
1: read that one give me that one so we talked about various different romance books that we've read like yeah,
0: take a hint danny brown i think is what we talked about on the show we've talked about various other romances that i've forgotten already because my memory is made of shit are there any other books or romances or stories of any kind that this book reminded you of
1: yeah so i'm fairly new to the idea of like paranormal romance mm-hmm. which i guess is what you'd call this but last year october time due to several ad spots and several not ad spots on many of my favourite podcasts for Mm -hmm. The X-Hex by Erin Sterling. I read that and it's not a dissimilar premise in the sense that it is a enemies to lovers vibe Mm. in a magical town at an autumn... Festival. There are ley lines. There is sickness. Right. They need to fix things. Right. That was fucking great. Okay, <laughs> and that was the first of that kind of book that I would really like committed to reading. And I, I mean, you know, we've all read sort of broadly a lot of different things, and I I don't remember every single book that I read, but the idea of paranormal romances and and witchy romances does feel like it's having a moment, which I think you yeah raised and so this one was everywhere and i really wanted to read it and then i got sent through a book subscription one called from bad to cursed by (laughs) lana harper which i haven't read yet but they all seem very the same and so to an extent this reminded me of the x-hex except that it paled in comparison which i think was doing it a disservice again with romances i don't always remember them all (laughs) to be perfectly yeah, honest I, mean, I like i read they're them they're mean, fairly like... expendable yeah and i don't mean to belittle romance i love romance i think it's a, a fantastic genre i think that more people should read it i think it's pure joy but yeah it kind of there's something else it reminded me of into the drowning deep okay because into the drowning deep is a horror book about mermaids about murder mermaids but when we talked about that in our book club mm. we talked about how every 5 minutes they were adding some new piece of information and some new piece of law and some yeah. new piece of thing that you're supposed yeah. to pay attention to and it felt a little bit like like you were really trying to shove it in like really packing in that pick a mix <laughs> and i felt a little bit like that with this in that i was so overwhelmed by the the world building mm again that heavy handedness it didn't feel like a tapestry being woven together it felt like someone cramming stuff at the top of an already full tub whilst i think about other books that it probably reminded me of and shows and things what about you
0: yeah so the one that kept sticking out to me possibly just because i've read it recently was the dead romantics which i think i mentioned when we were talking about the flat show as well because again back to back i've read a lot of romances this year Mm -hmm. which is not really my usual vibe and the reason it reminded me of it was because the dead romantics is ostensibly about a woman who without spoiling it one day she has a ghost turn up who is this hot guy that she knows from work and then it's about the um, ensuing activities there but it's a lot of this it's a lot of her doing stuff and getting on with her life and this guy just sort of following her around because he's a ghost and that's what this felt like with Oz was that Mariel was living her life and doing all the things she needed to do and also just kind of like I'm also here yeah (laughs) would you like to give me your soul still no okay so I feel like I have read quite a few books recently where the male character Again, heteronormative romances, particularly, where the male character has been just kind of an accessory to the romance rather than a a driving force within it. Mm -hmm. And I felt there was a bit of that with Oz. And also because it is another supernatural, paranormal fantasy romance fa- romanticy whatever they're calling it now whatever the kids are saying on. romanticy I love it romanticy I've heard that uh, which is really it really is having a moment and, yeah. and it was an interesting one to me because I never I don't know about you I never read Twilight I read vampire diaries before the show came out and but there was very much that the vampire werewolf era of romance of teen romance yeah and it feels like the people that were reading that have now grown up and have written all of these other supernatural Tumblr-inspired fanfic fantasies, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I've read the A Court of Thorns and Roses series, mm-hmm. which is fucking Beauty and the Beast fanfiction. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. Yeah. But there's a lot of it around. What do you think?
1: I have read Twilight. Okay. I quite liked it. I really liked New Moon. I mean, talk to me about how that's a really good expression <laughs> of depression. Uh, but it didn't... It didn't start or or continue any kind of deep paranormal romance in me. However, I have read some terrible, <laughs> brilliant books about werewolves and, and witches and nuns and, and all sorts of things. And dragon space lords. Oh, I di- Oh, yeah, no, I did read the dragon alien
0: book. Yep. I forgot about that. He subsists on meat from your earth cow. Meat
1: from your earth cow. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is one of the books that this reminded me of, though. Really? Because because i was read it's called jareth it's it's like jareth alien space dragon or something i got it for free alien space sex god yeah. yeah and <laughs> i am jareth it was god of he, sex because they kept talking about how much he needs to eat yeah all of a sudden and like and how he does he's never had ice cream and he was really into pumpkin spice and i just kept thinking <laughs> about meat from your earth cow which is a quote from jareth the alien space sex god Something or other. Dragon. Dragon, yeah. He is a dragon, but also an alien. But also a warrior. <sighs> Jared.
0: He must plough earth women to survive. <laughs> no, but he's mated he's to her. He's mated to her, that was it. He's yeah. mated to yeah. her.
1: Yeah. Oh, what a book. But this didn't remind me of Twilight in any way. Okay. At all. And I think the disconnect between Twilight and this is... One of the things that I find so interesting about this revival of, mm. or this this trend of paranormal romance, I think about the the slightly sexy books that we read when that I read when I was teenagers, and they don't have this level of comedy. They don't have this level of reality. Yeah, they're all set. Twilight's the exception. They're all set, kind of either in the olden days or they're very high drama. They're very serious. They're very like, this is life or death, and whereas this is a book that supposedly is about life or death, like, she's not going to die if she gives up her soul. She's going to be emotionless, like, that's, that's one thing, yeah, but, I mean, yeah. have depression. But, like, there's a lot of comedy in this, there's a lot of friendship. It feels like watching a Hallmark movie, but set at Halloween. Mm, yeah. That's what this book, that's what the X hex that's what the other, kind of, short stories that I've read yeah. in this genre feel like. They are rom-coms they are emily henry books with witches in them (laughs) it's a cozy romance with extra body parts yeah erogenous horns erogenous horns and i think that that's that's why i feel like i haven't read this kind of book before and that's why i feel like they're so interesting and so while i agree with you that it feels like people that read the twilight and the weird sexy books that kind of just appeared somehow the people that read those books that are growing up to write these things They're writing those with more consent and more agency and more focus on women. Mm. And so the fact that you were saying earlier that the men feel like secondary characters in this, in these heterosexual paranormal romances, I think is really interesting because the whole point about Twilight is how much she worships Edward and the choosing between edward and, and jacob but really it's like how beautiful he has how interesting he is and how oh, interesting is. his family is and actually in this book she's the magical dynasty she's the interesting witch she's the all-powerful one mm. and he's just some guy <laughs> <laughs> that she's summoned by accident followed by a large dildo I d- i'm not saying all of these books are born of having read twilight but no. i just think that the- that that idea that we've read these books 20 years ago, when I know when books weren't written for teenage girls, and teenage girls were still reading them. And those teenage girls grew up, went through a bunch of therapy, did a bunch of reading, did a bunch of protests, lived through the worst fucking president ever, and decided, no, fuck this, let's give books to probably 16 year old girls reading these that teaches them about consent, agency. Self-important, self-worth, your pleasure is important, all that sort of stuff. And I actually think...
0: You don't have to be a skinny, swooning white woman for it to apply. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and I actually think I've talked myself into really appreciating it. Really appreciating this book for that, so... Well done. (laughs) Yay. Yay
0: for talking yourself into liking something more than you should. Just like demons.
1: And the swine which has made me talk a lot
0: it's not talked me into liking it that much i will not remember this wine i will probably remember this book i don't think i'll remember this wine what do you think
1: i agree this wine has made me talk a lot because i've drunk most of it because it's so forgettable yeah but mm, i've got horrible
0: heartburn there boring it's not I know. it's not sitting right I know. at that end this end bald this end angry spicy <laughs> why is it spicy <laughs> well in which case i think we should have a break and we'll be back after the break to talk some more about some of the spicier sections of this book <laughs> romantic heroes and witches And we're back from the break. We've had a wee, I've taken some antacids, and we're good to continue the podcast. Um, but before we do that, we do have to check in with the Fleury Beaujolais. This is just fine. It's fine. We've nearly finished it. We'll move on to generic punk for the next section of the podcast.
1: So, a very light wine, but at times a very heavy book. This book deals with overbearing parents climate change childhood trauma there's some abusive ex-trauma and separation from parents separation from parents and not even moral grayness like downright dealing with someone who has done something that you find morally reprehensible and i think that that's something that i found difficult in this book which is that Oz has a backstory that he is given, which is is very traumatic. And I think the exploration of trauma in this book is an interesting sideline. But Oz also is a person that has caused a lot of trauma. He is a demon. He is a demon that has bargained with souls. He's called Ozroth the Ruthless. He's essentially destroyed the lives of thousands of people. His success as a demon is... Manipulating people to give up their souls, their magic, their emotions,
0: and ruining the lives of others in order to do so.
1: Yeah, and doing it in a way that you kind of trick them, that yeah. you win.
0: Yeah, house always wins. Yeah, Everyone always wins.
1: And I think you know if if anyone's familiar with the concept of genies and stuff, that idea that it always comes with a price. As well, and it really got me thinking about at what point does kind of liking the bad boy become untenable
0: when did the red flags become irredeemable yeah yeah
1: because i mentioned it earlier i think when we were talking about tropes mm. in romance one of the tropes that you get is grumpy sunshine you know like we were all familiar with the idea of the bad boy i personally love a grumpy sunshine and <laughs> love the idea of a bad boy but like I'm a very tame person my idea of a bad boy is like wears a leather jacket like it's not
0: returns library books slightly late yeah yeah. like
1: (laughs) oh my god how dare you Personally, I feel like I draw the line that, like has murdered. Somebody. I mean, you
0: know, I, I feel like you're setting the bar very high there. <laughs> uh, ruling out a homicide when looking for a date
1: seems, yeah. it seems a bit picky. Yeah, uh, I'm in my thirties now. So. <laughs> and I know, right? So to be fair, like Osroth technically has not murdered anyone, but he's also a little it does redeeming. say he
0: specializes in assassinations in that entry about him. in the book. Yeah, so
1: in a way, in a way, he has. Like he yeah. has caused many murders. And then he has, a, he has a whole moral quandary about genocide at one point. Robin uh, there. Oh, yeah. shit.
0: <laughs> Not again. <laughs> but I
1: just... I, it's more than just paranormal romances mm. that makes me think this. I think that one of the biggest proponents of this, Tom Middleston, <laughs> as Loki. Right. Okay. Right. Right.
0: <laughs> By which you mean loki is a fucking steaming dick and has done morally reprehensible things but everyone
1: fucking wants to bang him but
0: everyone wants it's the horn it's the horns it's the erogenous horns again Uh, and
1: i think i correct me if i'm wrong but one of the big tiktoky books it's not the court of thorn and roses it's the other one is it hooked no shadow and bone shadow and bone thank you it makes sense in a high fantasy world in which everyone is killing lots of people because it's battles and bloodshed, and that's the thing, like Game of Thrones and all that sort of stuff. Like everyone's killing yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah. And I also can allow for, you know, like a hero in a in a thriller who has shot someone to defend his country or whatever. Mm. I think one of the problems that I have with the blurring of rom com and fantasy. Mm is that you've got essentially what would be considered a supervillain, what would be considered a bad character. I know they're trying to redeem it and don't judge a book by its cover, blah, 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 blah. But he's killed people and he's shacking up with someone who's like, I just don't want to hurt the flower. Yeah. Yeah. Like the worst thing that she ever did was accidentally explode a chicken. This is something that I really struggled with with this book. And it's a thing that I didn't struggle with with the X hex It's a thing that I don't struggle with in some other romances. But it is a thing that I do struggle with in some shows where you're like, why are you adoring the person that does these horrible things? Do you have any thoughts on this? Do you feel this? I think you read romantically darker than I do. (laughs) I do. And you read more fantasy than I do.
0: Uh, yeah, and I've read in the last year or so more Romantosu, possibly than you have, I don't know. But it's a weird one because it's that willing suspension of disbelief thing that we were talking about earlier. With the pixies and this magical world, but then when someone has done very tangibly awful things, how much can you look past that just as how much could you look past them and everyone else being friends? It's not. It's not the same thing, but it's this interpersonal dynamic should remain in any story with the same level of believability regardless of whether you're setting it on the moon or you're setting it in London when she worked in a publishing house. <laughs> so it's not something that I've ever struggled with morally. I read Hooked which is a dark romance retelling of the, uh, the story of Captain Hook and mm-hmm. Hook is a murdering mobster who tortures people. But, ah, yeah, but the sex is good. I think you could argue, on one hand, it's this thing of, oh, you know, I just want to fix the bad boy. I think there'll be people who are reading these things who are like, you know, I just want to fix them. But there's a difference between returning library books late and I've killed 400 people. There's a difference between (laughs) shagging your best mate and I've killed several people. It depends who your best mate is. But, (laughs) yes. I, I don't know. I don't really know if I have an answer. I think the answer is just... You can forgive a fictional character in a way you can't forgive a real character mm-hmm. because it doesn't ultimately
1: have any real world consequences. You made a really good point there about suspension of disbelief and and it got me thinking about the laws of this world this world is different to our world and I yes. think that's why it's different in a fantasy Yeah, the laws are different to this world than our world and so if the laws are consistent then I can get on board with not minding that he's kill people, but her big upset, her big betrayal in this is that he lied to her. Mm. A lot of her concerns and stuff are so relatable in our human experience and is very much set to be relatable in our human experience, like an overbearing mother. And he destroys her passion, her, her greenhouse. It turns out it wasn't him, spoiler alert, but... The idea that he's lied to her, that he's used her, that he's manipulated her. I don't feel like the world was built enough to make that more reprehensible than having spent 200 years yeah, killing people. Literally. I got sucked into this book because I'm a romantic and <laughs> I'm apparently easily manipulated. <laughs> but it it was a lingering concern of mine that I was like the people that are going to fawn over Oz, you get those people and then they're like, oh but Darcy's kind of a rude dick and I'm like, it's not the same like, <laughs> Darcy and Oz are not the same, I think that's my thing, and by Darcy yeah, but... I do mean Mr Darcy of Pride and Prejudice they're not the same, but they are going to be put in the same listicle of brooding heroes that you hate to love <sighs>
0: I have many thoughts and I'm going to try and pull them all together first one is I agree when I was reading this book, I was like, okay, yes, obviously the whole thing is that he has this human soul, and he's a demon, but he's also like, but he's not like a, re- he's not like the other demons. Like, <laughs> which is literally the point of the book. I'm not like, a regular suddenly, demon, cool Yeah, he's a regular demon. Like, he's been a terrible demon, but now humans have made him better as if humans make anything better. <laughs> and that's the point. And then I was like, right, so she's falling for this human soul. She's not actually falling for a demon. It's not about him before he just happens to be a hot body in which there is a human soul now like the two yeah his behavior is not linked to who he was as a person before this soul came along yeah That's but the then
1: point. she feels all sorry and gooey about his oh, childhood yeah, but she's an idiot
0: like <laughs> no, this is my fucking <laughs> point you know you can appreciate someone's had a rough time as a kid and they're still a cunt anyway but i also think we're reading too much into the dynamics of this
1: Fun but dumb human. I mean, do you think we're but, being too yeah. analytic about a book called *The Witch's Guide to Fake I think Asian we might teammates. be. I
0: think we might be. I, but I do appreciate the point. And I, I think the other point I was going to make is that I think this book heavy-handedly makes a lot of points about things like agency, a lot of things about consent, a lot of things within the sex scenes as well about like you know, sex not being perfect. Sometimes it's awkward and weird, and sometimes things happen. And mm-hmm. like telling this very important narrative to probably to younger people, than like, things that people don't see in, in these overly romanticised mm-hmm. moments. So, to then undermine that with, oh, but he's got a soul now, so everything's forgiven.
1: Yeah. It uh, does feel like a bit of a step back, but I agree. I think, yeah, no, I think you put that really well. It's the fact that this does do so much to service honest conversation, redemption, and yeah. I think that you could have redeemed him without him being a murderer. And I know that he's not like actively, directly a murderer, but we don't the, the 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 terms of being a bargainer are kept very vague. But he is literally called Osroth the Ruthless.
0: If you'd wanted this to be a scathing examination of the power of redemption or lack of redemption in human nature and its role in a romantic relationship, then he would never have had a human soul. He would have just been a demon. They would have somehow fallen in love somehow and then they would never have ended up together that's the point yeah but i think we're just making it too complicated because yeah. it's
1: just frothy demon romance but also i think that this book tried to do a lot and yeah maybe bent some rules that it made itself
0: okay yeah fair enough
1: this book set up quite a stringent morality and agency universe and With a character
0: who was very definite in their viewpoint, even yeah. Marielle. If she'd been someone who was a bit more like, eh, shit happens, we've all killed
1: 400 people by mistake.
0: Yeah, yeah. no,
1: but she's but a she was very... Thinking... Lawful Quote, good. Unquote, lawful good. Absolutely. yeah, right well, chao- uh,
0: okay. yeah.
1: chaotic good. But yeah, yeah, but I think that's the thing. You no, know, but you're absolutely right to put it in those terms. And and to then bend that for the sake of erogenous horns is... Erogenous horns and a big old willy. Yeah. Yeah. is a problem. So speaking of big old willies... <laughs> <laughs> Which is how I enter most rooms and conversations. Other, other phrases used... <laughs> For the big old willies. yeah, Bulge was used a lot. Bulge. There was a lot of tight bulge. Tight
0: jeans. Uh, his jeans tightened uncomfortably. Or yeah. Like grew yeah grew tight or whatever it was. Uh,
1: the, I mean, they were very unafraid of the word dick in this book.
0: Yeah, they threw dick around a lot.
1: But, so this book was not a fade to black romance. No. This was very much a thrusting romance <laughs> I'm
0: sorry listeners, Kim just looked me in the eye and said thrusting and it made me feel very uncomfortable <laughs> very aroused it wasn't afraid, it didn't shy away from a thrusting willie.
1: No, and it was quite verbose in its description yeah. of sexy time and it got me thinking and I think what were you thinking about other romances that we've read and erotica that we've read and I want to know romance language ick Oh uh, yeah. Because of how heavy-handed this book was, yeah, and how obvious this book was, I was like bracing for all the things that I hate when I read erotica. Yes, which are mostly to do with descriptions of female genitalia. Very yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I just thought it'd be fun. What's your erotica ick?
0: Erotica icks oh, And I'm God. talking
1: specifically about language. Yeah, not, not necessarily acts.
0: scenario acts. We
1: whatever. support yeah. everyone's right to enjoy their 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 title of choice. Their we, tittle of choice.
0: Their title.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: tittle. Right. Their
1: titillation we of choice. Yums, we don't yuck other people's yams We don't yuck other people's yums when
0: it comes to language Language choice yeah Yeah, and this is personal choice not anyone else if you if if these words do it for you then fine however i have never met another person of any gender who enjoys the word slit within that situation and that's probably one of my least favorites luckily this didn't use it her sex (laughs) He licked her sex. (laughs) No, no, unacceptable. Also, there were some bits in this that were just so. Right, here's the thing. Not everyone is gifted at Dirty Talk. Granted, and not everyone enjoys hearing the same thing in Dirty Talk. A la erotica. Same thing. But this had some very clunky phrasing. And I both applaud it and hate it for the same reason. Which is that sometimes it is clunky and sometimes it is weird. And it's really hard to try and say these things. But can I lick you makes me feel sick uh, i absolutely not in that case my villino why can't i suck you off no
1: that really got me no. i was <laughs> like suck you off is it's not suck you off is not a sexy phrase it it's very no the
0: like 10 year old playground verbiage yeah no. yeah no I mean I did enjoy like at one point he said something and she just went, Roger that like I <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> That's what very like, crack on. Like <laughs> Off you go then. Off. Godspeed. Godspeed <laughs> Chop chop! All perfectly fair to say in moments of awkwardness, but yeah, didn't enjoy that. I hate the word pussy
1: with a resounding. I really, really hate the word pussy, (sighs) and I have to say, so cannot stand it. There are a lot of reasons why I hate the word pussy. I actually feel like descriptions of female genitalia in romance is one of the weakest points of romance Mm -hmm. for me Mm -hmm. because I don't, I don't know that there is a sexy word, and. I think that that is indicative of the patriarchal society in which we live
0: yeah
1: but i don't know that there is a sexy word but pussy has to be one of the worst of them and genuinely one of the reasons for that is because i don't know if you know this old person but i had an old person in my life that insisted on referring to cats as pussies because she knew that it wound me up yeah and my brother-in-law, we both would sit there squirming uncomfortably, being like, please stop saying pussy. And so when Hello. I read the word pussy in a romance book, do you know what I think about? My 95-year-old grandmother. <laughs> who died three years ago. Nothing takes me out of a romance book faster than the word pussy. It's quite closely followed by the word panties.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I understand it's a lexical thing with America and that's what they use. For
1: yeah. Underwear.
0: Also, knickers is fairly bad, but...
1: Knickers feels... The thing is, though, knickers feels like the 2000s, panties feels like you're a child. And that's my problem with the word pussy as well. this like,
0: with when you're talking about Female genitalia in a sexy setting—you either have it infantilized with a word like pussy, mm. uh, you have it overly, overly medically described with a word like mons, which is used in this, along with the word vulva, which shan't be having that, thank <laughs> you. Unsubscribe, and then, or you have just cunt,
1: like yeah, full-on
0: aggressive. Aggressive. Um, See,
1: I'd rather have clip than any have of those. Or clip cunt c- vagina. Cunt. Uh, but it's when they're like, I mean, her sex is is her awful. sex is the worst. Mound, mound.
0: Oh, it's awful. There are lips. some that like, not a fan of lips.
1: <laughs> there are some that I never see. I have to say, but maybe I'm not reading them. But like, axe wound is one Whole whole Her wetness, I guess. Oh
0: yeah, her wetness. I've seen.
1: Don't I'm like tenderness. that because her
0: wetness sounds like a like a title, like her Majesty. <laughs> her, wetness. her wetness.
1: What was the other one you just said? Tenderness is for a penis, and then you get like. What do you mean, tenderness? Lady garden, is- I think you do get or yes. sacred Gosh. place or like they're always. It's always very like.
0: Hayoni. yoni.
1: I feel like. <laughs> I feel like the language around. No. Female genitalia. Like you say, yes, it's more infantilised or it's more euphemistic. Yeah. Because yeah. male genitalia, dick, cock, rod, staff, shaft, member, shaft. shaft they're all very tactile, for lack of a better word. I mean, member is not it's but, not good. Manhood. <coughs> manhood, yeah.
0: I mean, we could talk about the, the gender nuance
1: of the word manhood, it just... but we won't. But then I don't know, I don't know what's better. There are definitely sexy books that I've enjoyed and I can get past the sexy, euphemistic language. Mm. Normally I attribute this kind of stuff to my being more of a prude. But I don't think that this is indicative of me being prude. Because if there is one area that I'm not a prude, it's the written word. Yeah. Mm. You do love sex on a page. I do love sex on a page. And I genuinely love sex on a page. I also love not sex on a page there is nothing sexier in the world than like a, a, yearning, yearning, a year yearning a longing yearning. but Desire. i think for me the best place for romance to be not erotica because erotica is obviously a different kind of thing in that regard and erotica that's maybe why erotica doesn't do it for me is i don't want to Have described in intimate detail the thrusting in and out of your veiny cock into someone's (laughs) vagina. I want to know that it felt good.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, I'm sorry, I've destroyed you because I said (laughs) thrusting into (laughs) a veiny veiny cock.
0: It's veiny cock to come out of your mouth
1: i do these things to please you darling um, it's less about the physicality of the genitals yeah as it is about the sensation the that sensation caused, that it makes yeah. you feel so i love actually reading about people going down on other people
0: yeah
1: like one of my favorite things as
0: long as i don't say i licked you
1: yeah because but because there is something about that that is very intimate and it's always about the sensation. It always seems to be, some for some reason, a novelty. It's almost like people don't do it enough. One of the most incongruous moments in this book for me mm. was a scene in which they have sex up against a tree like 10 metres from a protest Contact, during... Yeah. Their like moment to go see if the forest is dying, and so it's like this really heightened emotional moment. And then they're like, "Yeah, but let's thrust against the tree," and it's really descriptive. And the the chapter before is very much about their prolonged sexy time, which is fine. I was expecting that at sixty percent through the book, but <laughs> I found that really jarring because it didn't match with the characters. It was purely about the erotica, it was purely about the physical act, and it didn't vibe for me with the idea of the sexuality that they had both had so far with each other, and it felt like... Tawdry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Tawdry has a time and a place. Also, he used the words gorgeous tits, which... (laughs) Mm. (laughs) No. I just... No.
1: Oz had the... Oz was not blessed with the gift of the gown. <laughs> yeah, but, but this is the thing, though. At one point, she's like, ah, I, I'm not so good at the sexy talk as he is. And, like, the man says gorgeous tits. Gorgeous tits. <laughs> like,
0: it got awful. Oh, here's another word I hate. Pumped. <laughs> Pumps can get in the bin. Not having like that. Like
1: a fucking petrol station. Yeah.
0: <laughs> she pumped him in her hand. He uh, pumped into her. You're like, ah. Oh,
1: why are they always giant as uh, well? Yeah. Why are they always
0: massive? Ah, uh,
1: I've got to get you ready to take me. I've got to stretch you. I'm uh, sorry. Am I a, am I a dress from Primark? <laughs> Fuck off.
0: Get out of here with that nonsense. <sighs> But also, then this ends with. He tied the condom off and then, for lack of other options, put it in his pocket with a grimace before tucking himself back into his pants. (laughs) Oh, yeah! You know what I love? A man walking along with a jizz filled condom in his pocket. Honestly.
1: It was titillating at times, but it also also really took me out of it. And also, the most titillating points I was reading it in public, which is very awkward. It's very untitillating. Mm.
0: Yeah. I think this did the same thing in sex scenes that it did in a lot of this book, which is like trying to make it tongue-in-cheek, trying to make it modern slash contemporary, trying to make it more light-hearted than your mum's romance novels, for example. Mm -hmm. But in so doing, just made it kind of awkward and weird. You You know what it was? You know what these sex scenes were? Every minute I was expecting someone to say that's what she said. Like it was that feeling, yeah. Not feel it, not being entirely comfortable in the competence of the people engaging in the sex.
1: I felt like the sex scenes were like when you're reading a magazine and the advert shows up, (laughs) scratch and sniff, like article, article, very serious article, full page glamorous perfume advert. That's how it felt to me. It was like by the way sex <laughs> yeah it was a bit
0: right before we disappear any further down the cleft that is this book <laughs> cleft i don't think we talked about but cleft again, is one of the worst cleft is dreadful let's sum up our wine give our wine a rating give our book a rating and call it a night so the wine that we had was the fleury Cru de beaujolais 2021 off of France. With Kim, what we we've talked a bit about our
1: feelings. Any final thoughts and before you give your rating on that one? The thing is it wasn't bad. But it wasn't good. And I don't really know how to rate that, so I'm giving it a two. I don't know if I go for a two. I would go for the very middle of the road two point five. I was thinking two point five.
0: So nothing.
1: Yeah but I think because it was so much more nothing and I expect red to taste like things I'm giving it to. Fair enough. There was no spice, salt, mm. or wood There was a tiny bit, tiny bit of spice. Tiny bit of spice. Tiny bit of spice. Not like this book!
0: So, two two point five for the wine. What did you think of the book? Or What would you give the book? Would you recommend it to anyone? Three
1: questions for you. Oh my god. I enjoyed the book. It was not what I wanted to read at the moment, which made it harder to get on board with it. It was heavy-handed. And clunkier than other romances. And I've read a lot of really good, clever romances lately. So it kind of was a bit of a letdown there. One thing that we didn't talk about was that the next book in the series features Caladia and Astaroth Mm -hmm. falling in love, which I have a lot of problems with. So many. And so, and it feeds into my like, problematic men issue. So I ultimately gave it a I think that probably it's more like a 2.53. Okay. I'm not gonna go out of my way to recommend it, but if someone says I need to read something just stupid, like that's fun, that that maybe is a bit witchy, I'll be like, Yeah, fine, go for it. Or if someone wants some really hot sex, like, here, here you go, fine. Mm. Um, and likewise, like I'm not gonna run out to read the next book, but I know that when I'm in the mood to read it, this kind of book, that it's there, but It's good, you know, I do think it's well written. I did think it was funny. And I thought that the main characters were engaging, which I think is mostly what you want from a romance. Mm. I just think that it maybe needed some growth and maybe I will get that further down the line. Yeah. So I think I'm going to stick with a three. It's sort of an optimistic three. (laughs) Yeah. What about you?
0: Yeah, I also gave it a three. It won't ever... Blow your mind. It does exactly what it says on the tin. If you're looking for a beach read, if you're looking for a holiday read, if you're looking for something that's just kind of a read in one sitting situation, then yeah, probably this is great. If you're looking for great sex scenes, again, wouldn't necessarily recommend this book. It was fine. It just wasn't. There's better books out there, there's better romances out there, there's better demon based <laughs> books out there, I'm sure. But it is a debut novel. It's fun. It's silly. I think I'm going to stick with the three. So this has been a very average episode, (laughs) both in terms of the wine and the book. Don't forget to join us in two weeks. We'll have a new episode for you. If you would like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Pod. We also have a website, which I haven't updated for about four months. But if you want to have a look and see some of our previous show notes and the wines that we do love, you can find it at GrapeCulturePodcast.co.uk. Don't forget to come back in two weeks and we will see you then.